Corner Fringe Ministries presents the elementary principles of the Messiah. Please enjoy this six-part series brought to you by Daniel Joseph as he takes you through the first principles of Christ. That is the milk of the word. It is by this milk that every believer is to grow thereby. You are listening to the first disc of this series, Daniel's message on faith toward God and repentance of dead works. Enjoy. elementary principles of the Messiah, all right? These principles are going to help us formulate a deeper understanding of what Paul taught the Corinthians, okay, which is the milk of the word, also known as the elementary principles of the Messiah. So let's get right to it. 1 Corinthians 3.1, Paul says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people. Did you catch that? I cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Messiah. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still unable. So in other words, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, I have all these things I want to tell you, but I can't, because you're a bunch of babies. You're infants. I cannot tell you the greater things that are found in the Word of God. And this is the pinnacle of Paul's rebuke to the Corinthians. Now, I want you to envision yourself, if you will, standing among the believers in Corinth, and all of a sudden you're notified with your fellow believers that a letter has come. And it's from Paul and Sosthenes. Okay? You hear that. Paul and Sosthenes have sent you a letter so you go out and call out the rest of the believers in Corinth. And you come to hear what Paul and Sosthenes have to say. And imagine what would have went through their minds when they got to this point. When they got to the point where you got the reader reading to Corinth, and he says, I can't speak to you because you're babes in the Messiah. And I want to speak to you. These verses reveal Paul's frustration with those in Corinth because he fed them with the appropriate nourishment to grow in the Messiah. He fed them with milk. The Corinthians, based upon what was delivered to them, should have matured and grown into strong men. To Paul's bewilderment, that didn't happen. Now, I love this analogy of milk and solid food because I have three young daughters. And if any of you here are a parent, the analogy should come to life when you think about how you nourished your child as a newborn. You nourished him, him or her with milk, okay? You nourished them with milk. Infants are not capable of feeding themselves. They are not capable of taking care of themselves. They are not capable of even clothing themselves. It is the parent's obligation, the parent's job, to carefully care for them, to make sure that they get the appropriate the, the appropriate nourishment. <clears throat> and without this vital milk, an infant would suffer. If you as a parent failed to give your child the vital milk so that it may grow, it would suffer from malnutrition. And that has devastating consequences. There's elements in milk that provide essential nutrients for our little ones. Mandatory for growth of the bones, they grow the immune, it helps grow the immune system, 
It helps grow their mind, develop the brain. Spiritually speaking, Paul delivered this necessary nourishment of milk, okay, to those in Corinth. They should have grown into mature followers of the Messiah. But we see that the flesh excreted a poison, and it rendered the milk ineffective. Okay, it rendered the milk ineffective. It never took. And we see the same analogy used in other parts of Scripture, this milk and solid food. Paul makes the following statement to the Thessalonians. He says in 1 Thessalonians 2.7, But we were gentle to you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Okay, so here we see that Paul fed the Thessalonians with milk just as he fed those in Corinth with milk. All right? Peter, this, this analogy of milk and solid food was not exclusive to Paul. All the apostles taught this. We're going to see Peter using it. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Okay, so the million-dollar question, what is this milk as stated in these passages? Well, fortunately, we have knowledge of what they are through the book of Hebrews. And incidentally, we're going to see in Hebrews, they use the exact same analogy as we saw used in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And uh, I suspect that what I'm about to show you left its recipients, the writer of Hebrew, would have left its recipients with the same numbness that I'm sure the Corinthians got when they got to this pinnacle of rebuke when he says, I can't feed you, you're babies, you know, you're infants. Hebrews 5.12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes, listen closely, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay? So I still haven't answered the question. What is milk? Hebrews 6.1 tells us, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Messiah, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of Repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Of the doctrines of baptisms, and laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Here is what Scripture defines as milk of the word. The elementary principles, the very things Paul delivered everywhere he went. The very things the apostles delivered. And we're going to cover these elementary principles one by one over the next couple of weeks. Um, because the milk of the word is something that is essential for growth. It is essential for you to have a clear understanding of these things that you yourself might be able to grow. You might be able to take care of yourself. You'll be able to feed yourself. And when you've matured, you're going to come to the point where you can do the same as you are, if you are a parent, as you would do with your children. You have that ability. You have that wisdom. You have that strength. You have that knowledge to do this. So today, we're actually just going to look at the first two principles. Faith toward God and repentance from dead works. 
And I want to start with the foundation. Uh, and it's the foundation of our faith, which is faith in God. 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Yeshua HaMashiach. So if you had any doubt, or you're wondering perhaps where we here at Corner Friends stand as a Messianic community, know this. This is where we stand. All right? There is no other. There is no other foundation. There is no hope for anyone without faith in Yeshua. Understanding this core principle, I promise you, will change your life. It will put you into a select class of people. With the greatest of honors, you will stand among the greatest men who have the world has ever seen. For it is this principle that faith in Yeshua, whereby you who are not children are now brought near. You are called children of God, the children of the Most High, through his Son. Therefore, we will be children of faith. Amen? Philippians 2.9, Therefore God has highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Yeshua every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Yeshua HaMashiach is Adonai, he is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We have got to have a firm grasp on this elementary principle, faith in Yeshua, so that we will grow, that we will mature into strong men and women of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, listen to this, this is Paul speaking. This is an amazing man with an amazing wisdom. This is what he says. I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. That Messiah died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This passage encompasses the faith toward God part of the milk. Okay? Which is confessing that Yeshua is the Lamb of God. He is our Redeemer. As prophesied in Scripture, He died and He rose again. As believers and laborers of the kingdom, we must be able to express to others the necessity of the faith, what it is and what it means. Romans 10.9, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Yeshua and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, uh, confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, for Scripture says, for whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is rich to all who call upon him. Now, the grace of God that passes all understanding is available to both Jew and Gentile. And we as mature believers must be able to teach this elementary principle. Okay? Or we will not inherit eternal life. John 3.18 He who believes in Yeshua is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Yeshua says, Therefore I said to you, that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. This is a terrifying passage. You do not believe in Yeshua, 
you are given a death sentence. There is no hope. There's no possible way I could emphasize this elementary principle, the gravity of it, enough. It is about faith in God. This is our foundation. Galatians 3.22. But Scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Yeshua HaMashiach might be given to those who believe. Now, perhaps one of the most beautiful components of the message of Yeshua is its simplicity. That's what I love about it best. Only men could turn something so simple into something so complex. That's why we have theologians. Romans 3.21, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Yeshua HaMashiach to all who believe, for there is no difference. For you all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, this we just read this in Galatians. The entire world is condemned. Okay? We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Messiah Yeshua. This is a simple message. And yet, because of simplicity, it is a stumbling block to some and is foolishness to others. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith, I'm reading the top portion, read with me. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now unfortunately, some of the integrity of this verse is partially lost through the New King James translation. So I put up here the New American Standard Version, which I believe gets us a little closer to the writer's true intent. It's a little bit more accurate from the Greek to the English. And it says this. Now, faith is the assurance. Hypostasis is the Greek word here. It means confidence or assurance. This, is, this gives us a little bit different feeling here. Now, faith is the assurance of the things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. And that word conviction there in the Greek is alenkos. It means conviction. It means exactly what we're reading here. If you know in the deepest part of your heart you have this conviction, every man and woman of faith, they have this conviction. They know that they know that they know that they know. They know. Where does this conviction come from? John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, this is Yeshua talking about leaving the earth to be glorified, for if I do not go away, the Helper, in regard to the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict. Alenko. It's the Greek word alenko. He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Okay, conviction comes through the grace of God, through the Holy Spirit. And God is what? Spirit. God is spirit. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, listen to this, this is so simple. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, so in the first part of this verse, we're given a valuable piece of information here. And that is, it is impossible to please God without faith. But we're also given another piece of information. It is possible for man to please God. Isn't that crazy? The, the very thought 
the fact that man could be esteemed with such honor, the honor of being able to please God, but it only can be done through believing in his son. The power of faith is astounding. Faith in Yeshua is the gateway to experiencing the power of God. I'm just going to give you two examples, but scripture is just fraught with them. Uh, Matthew 9.20 And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of Yeshua's garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Yeshua turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer. Daughter, you see what he called her? Daughter, your faith has made you well. She is a daughter of the kingdom of heaven. And it was by her faith that she was restored. Jump down a little bit further. When Yeshua departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. Yeshua said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. We have power. You need to tap into it, right? The power and ability of faith is immeasurable. Doors that were unlockable can be unlocked. Mountains that could never be moved can be moved. The impossible becomes possible by faith in Yeshua. This is the faith we must have. This is the faith we must demonstrate. This is the milk of the word. Now, I want to look at a passage where we have the Apostle Paul. He's addressing the elders in Ephesus. And we're going to see him reminding them not just how he dwelt among them. This is, if you remember last week's message, this should, this should all come. Paul, didn't, he didn't reinvent the wheel. As Paul taught in Corinth, he taught in Ephesus. He taught in Thessalonica. He didn't reinvent the wheel. He kept saying the same things. And he's going to come, and he's going to remind the elders not just how he dwelt among them, but he's also going to remind them the things that he taught them. And this is important, the elementary principles of the Messiah. Acts 20:18. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing, that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach. Now this passage, I, I utilize this because this is my segue into looking at the second elementary principle that we're going to talk about today. Repentance. It goes hand in hand with faith. True repentance is the byproduct of authentic faith. So it's for me to say, I believe in Yeshua the Messiah, the byproduct should be true repentance. Okay? From the time that you have John the Baptist come on the scene, one specific message was preached. And that is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeshua started his ministry. The first thing that is recorded that Yeshua said when he starts his ministry was right here. 
From that time, Yeshua began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This message of repentance didn't stop after Yeshua's death and resurrection. Just the opposite. It was amplified, it was compounded, and it went out to the furthest regions of the world. Now, I know, <clears throat> I'm sure you all know the story of Pentecost, found in Acts chapter 2. And we got Jewish men who have been spread out in the diaspora who have come to Jerusalem. And all these men, they're hearing the disciples speak. And they're hearing them speak in their own native language. And they're baffled because what they're hearing is about the wonderful works of God and their own native language. And Peter rises up and starts testifying Yeshua Hanatsri, which is to say Jesus of Nazareth. He testifies to them of this name. And this is what is recorded after the men hear these words. This is what's recorded. Acts 2.37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not notice it right off the bat. Four of the six elementary principles are alluded to in this passage. And I'm not surprised, because these elementary principles were the first things the apostles taught before anything else. They had wisdom. They understood an infant shouldn't be given solid food. An infant requires milk, or you will kill that infant. We must see ourselves as parents, truly building up those who are weaker, who are weak in the faith. Amen? The apostles leave us a great example of how we should share the gospel. Let us follow that example. Let us be wise men of God. Understand, we need to see, we need to perceive that those who need to be fed with milk should be fed with milk, not with meat. It is the order of God. Acts 3.19, Repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This is an interesting verse here, because you remember our elementary principles. You're going to see how, I, I think after going through this study, you're going you're gonna to read the New Testament like you've never read it before. There's going to be things in there that are going to make sense. You're going to see how it's woven so beautifully and really is authentic commentary on the Torah. Okay? So here we see in Acts 3.19, the first thing that he comes out saying is, repent, be converted, that your sins would be blotted out. This is interesting. If you repent, what is the effect? Then grace is bestowed upon us. Grace is not, you know, despite people's ideologies, Grace is not imposed upon the world. Not everyone has grace. You have to repent for that mercy to be applied to you. You have to apply the blood. Is that not what Israel did? They applied the blood. The other thing I want to point out in this verse just real quickly is looking is that you understand your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, anapsuxis is this word refreshing in the Greek, it does not captivate. This is talking about the second coming. It literally means recovery of breath. And what did we say an elementary principle is? The resurrection of the dead. You see how the apostles taught? They taught over and over and over again the elementary principles of the Messiah. 
Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. It is these who have mercy. Psalms 32, 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. This is David speaking. You forgave the iniquity of my sins. We are going to have to be able to convey to those we are witnessing to that not only is faith required, but a change of heart, change of ways. Repentance is required. It is essential for acquiring the grace of God. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this is a critical component here. This is critical information that no newcomer to the faith should have any confusion about because it's the milk of the word. The Lord is not elusive in regard to what he expects from us. He expects us, if we come and confess his name, that we turn from our wicked ways and grab his ways, the ways of righteousness. Ezekiel 18, 27. Again, when a wicked man turns... Now, what are we talking about? Wicked. Okay, so this should... You should be getting this into your mind when you, when you get on your uh, evangelical thought process and you want to evangelize to people. Understand, this, this pretty much applies to everyone. And when a wicked man turns away from his wickedness, which he committed, and does what is lawful and right... He preserves himself alive. This passage defines for us what repentance looks like. We see that someone who is truly repentant and is fully repenting does something very, very interesting. He does what is lawful and right. He forsakes his wicked ways and he adheres to the ways of God. This is what we call self-preservation, amen? Now, if you go out delivering the elementary principles such as this one of repentance, and you warn people to repent of their sins, right? You're going to go out, you're evangelizing, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. This is the message. This is the end time message. Wouldn't you have to first understand what constitutes as sin? I mean, what are we repenting of? Right? Wouldn't you have to have an understanding of what sin is? Fortunately, Scripture tells us what this is. How are you going to preach repent if you don't know what sin is? 1 John 3, 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. So sin is the transgression of the law. Now let me challenge you a little bit today, if I may. There are some believers out there, and I've met them, that are of the understanding, and they hold fast to this ideology that the law has been done away with. Well, if, in fact, the law has been done away with, what are the people repenting of? There's no point in repentance, right? Because what is sin? Sin is transgression of the law. It's impossible to sin if there's no law. So keep these things in your mind. And for us to be disciples of the Messiah, to go out into the furthest regions of the world and to preach repentance, preach the message that started with John the Baptist and continued with the apostles, you need to know what sin is. And the reality of it is, is the law of God, despite some ideologies that are floating out there, is not done away with. Okay? And we'll talk more about that. I'm not going to break into that today. We'll talk more about it uh, in the months to come. But we see, getting back to Paul, that he delivered these principles. 
as he came into contact with anyone that would listen to him. And he preached repentance. Paul preached that people should turn to the law of God, despite what people think that Paul is telling them to forsake the law. Acts 17.30, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. This is scary, because Scripture gives us a strong warning here. Prior to Yeshua, what I would call pre-Yeshua dating, coming to the earth, God was extremely merciful and overlooked the ignorant transgressions. But now, because he has sent his son to die, he commands all men everywhere to repent, which is transgression of the law. Quit walking lawlessly. Ezekiel several times gives us a great example of this elementary principle, its process, and the result. Let's look at this, and we're almost done. Acts, uh, Ezekiel 18.21, But if the wicked man turns from all the sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of his transgressions which he committed shall be remembered against him. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. This is amazing. Now, some of you might say, well, it's, it's not our righteousness that saves us, it's Yeshua. Well, well said, it is Yeshua's righteousness. But we need to realize when and only when we turn from our sins and keep the righteous requirements of the law, do we with integrity truly confess Yeshua as the Messiah. For it is far greater sin if we sin, walk lawlessly after he has died for us. We trample the Son of God underfoot then, and we insult the Spirit of grace. Hebrews 10 talks about that. Now I'm going to close in a story found in the book of Daniel. And Daniel is explaining his very disturbing dream that he had to King Nebuchadnezzar, which incidentally pertained to King Nebuchadnezzar. And at the end of this dream, Daniel offers the king some critical advice. And this is what Daniel says to King Nebuchadnezzar. He says, Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. So we see that repentance is to turn from our wicked ways to righteousness, to his commandments. Forsake the ways of your flesh. Let them go and grab the laws of God. Okay, amen?